Hey folks, this is Allison. You may have noticed that it's been a while since we updated the podcast. While we had several episodes that we'd recorded, a couple of factors kept us from editing and posting them. First of all, it's, you know, the same big reason why a lot of us have had to shelve side projects since March of 2020. It's been a stressful and exhausting year, and we just don't have the bandwidth that we normally would. But also, because we recorded all these episodes in the fall or winter of 2019, our discussions were often focused on things like book tours and conventions and travel and other practicalities of, you know, the cartoonist lifestyle that aren't as relevant right now. And, uh, you know, we're hopeful that the comics community is going to get back to that place eventually, but it's not the world we're in right now. And for a while, it felt a little bit too raw, maybe, to be spending a lot of time talking about that version of the industry. That said, it's been a year. It felt time to get back on the horse. So in addition to posting this episode, and I think there's three more that we'd recorded previously, uh, Gene and I are also going to be recording an additional episode that's specifically about virtual events. So we'll talk with folks who have released and promoted their books in the last year. Uh, I gotta say, people have really risen to the challenge here. Uh, I've been part of some of these events. I've had friends do these events. Uh, I'm really looking forward to diving into some of the specifics of how we've all made it work. So all of that said, please enjoy this conversation we had in late 2019 with the excellent Jack Cohen, who's the director of publicity at Fanagraphics Books. Jack, if you're listening to this, I'm very sorry it took us so long to post this. This is Graphic Novel TK, your podcast guide to comic book publishing. Hi, and welcome to Graphic Novel TK. I'm Gina Gagliano. And I'm Allison Wilgus. Today we're talking to Jack Cohen, the Executive Director of Marketing, Publicity, and Promotions at Fanagraphics, about how authors should prepare to interact with all those things that are part of her job. Uh, running up to the point when their book gets published. Jack, can you tell us a little about who you are, how you got into comics, and what you're doing now? Uh, sure. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Jack Cohen, uh, as Gina said. I have been working in comics for, gosh, this is going to be my 15th or 16th year now, 10 years at Fanagraphics next month. Uh, I did a three-year stint at Dark Horse as the publicity coordinator, which is essentially a publicity assistant. And before that, I did two and a half years at Top Shelf Comics, which is another comic publishing house, as an intern. And then I was part-time um, at doing publicity for them. And my early start of my career was at Atlantis, which is a com one of the oldest comic book stores in the country in Santa Cruz, California. And I worked there throughout college. And I'm so happy that I started my career in direct market retail, which is such an important part of our industry. They're great. And they sponsor the Eisner Retailer Awards. They do. Joe Ferrara, who, again, started the uh, comic book store in 1976, same year that Fanagraphics actually started publishing books, was one of the very early comic book store retailers and has been a champion of direct market and celebrating comic book stores throughout the world. How did you end up working at a comic book store? Like, were you already a comics person or was that just the job available to you in college? This is an unconventional story, I should say. <laughs> uh, I, I was in college. I was in, going to UC Santa Cruz studying literature and I needed a job. 
and I was watching the cartoon Rocco's Modern Life, which I had like dubbed from TV on VHS tapes. Rocco worked at a comic book store called Lots O Comics. And I was like, that's a good idea. There's a comic book store down the street. I'll just go work there. And so I walked in and I said I wanted a job. And I just turned 19 and I was immediately in love with comics. I had I had not really read comics before that, other than like the odd, like slave labor graphic, like Johnny the homicidal maniac, goth kid kind of stuff. Um, and as soon as I walked into the store, I knew I wanted to know everything. So it was Rocco's Modern Life. That's what got me started working in comics. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm really glad I asked. <laughs> I should thank Joe Murray, the creator of Rocker's Modern Life, maybe curse him um, <laughs> because I just fell in love with, with comics um, and, and never left. And, uh, and here I am. <laughs> um, but Fantagraphics was always where I wanted to go. When I was working at this comic shop, I wanted to work at Fantagraphics. So it just took me a few years to get there. So that's why I, I'm never leaving. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, so the theme of this episode is all about what authors can do on the marketing, publicity and sales end of things. When they've got a book deal, they've like, you know, signed a contract, and they have a planned publication date or window when they know when their book is coming out. Like, you know, it's good, it's great to have an exact date. But then there's a lot of stuff that you can kind of plan when you're kind when you're like, this is the window that's occurring. Uh, So when you're an author, and you're in that time, what what should you be doing? Like, when is it useful for you to start being like, I should think about maybe doing some things? One of the best gifts a cartoonist can give to their publicist is a rough idea of their schedule. So if you're a cartoonist, and you know that your book is coming out, if you can avoid perhaps like getting married the same month that your book comes out, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have had so many wonderful artists who are so excited their book is done. They decide to take like a year to backpack around Europe, which is so such a lovely idea um, until it's time to start selling and promoting the book. And this person has no access to email and isn't available by phone. And we have NPR wants to do an interview with them and they're not available to do it. So making yourself available as an artist um, to to sell your book is, is a gift that you can give your publisher. And really your job as a cartoonist or an author isn't just creating the work. It's also being present enough to help get your book into the world and making yourself think about being available, meaning think about what it's going to feel like to all of a sudden have to talk to somebody for an hour about your book, like direct questions. And if your book is a memoir, like how personal it could be, like mentally prepare for, for the level of engagement you might have with the public, with the media, and just with your, your own publisher what you're ready to talk to them about. I'm actually very curious about this. Do you recommend people do like practice interviews with friends or something? Because I feel like sometimes it's very surprising how hard it is to speak intelligently about your own book. You'd think that it would be easy, but it's actually very difficult to say something smart about your book you've been working on for five years, however long. Self-promotion and talking about yourself. I mean, just think about when anybody asks you questions about yourself. It's sometimes hard to figure out what you talk, what you're saying. So 
I actually do this personally with many of my first time cartoonists is I always talk to them on the phone, whether this is their fourth book or their 30th book. I always talk to them on the phone. And if it's a first time cartoonist, I'll ask them practice questions because it's so important to understand what it feels like to have somebody ask you a personal question about your work. And it's better to have that first experience be with somebody that A, isn't recording and isn't on the record, and B, is going to help guide you through your answer. So I think that if you don't have somebody who's as aggressively uh, (laughs) um, proactive about helping you do interviews, definitely talk to friends and say, hey, like, you've read my book, or can you read my book? And can you ask me some questions about it? Your friends and your colleagues, especially other cartoonists, other authors, are going to be such a valuable resource. And um, community around you is going to be such a valuable resource to help you figure out how to have meaningful and comfortable conversations about your work, especially if it's deeply personal. Yeah, I also think that even before having someone ask you questions live, putting together some questions and writing out the answers can be really helpful because then you've kind of organized your mind into thinking about what are the things that you want to cover? uh, What things are you comfortable talking about? So that when you verbalize these, it's not like, well, I've never thought about how to answer this before. I guess I'll just spontaneously make something up. Absolutely. And Another thing that I always tell cartoonists to do is to listen to other people's interviews or read other people's interviews. If you've never done a book event, The Strand um, in New York films all of their book events and puts them on YouTube. It's an excellent resource for you to go online and see how an onstage Q&A goes in front of a live audience. And it's it's available so easily on any kind of device. If you're a cartoonist, you're probably already friends with or know or have been introduced to so many other cartoonists and chances are they've done interviews. So it's a good way to see like test questions. (laughs) What are some typical questions you're going to be asked and how do you feel like you can answer them? I was going to say the first thing to do is block out some time around your publication date, but it sounds like actually the first thing to do is find out from your publisher when your publication date is and then block out some time. Yeah, that's something like, I mean, communicating with your publisher is also going to be like the best thing you can do. Like, at least for me as a publicist, like I'm never annoyed by getting questions from my cartoonists if they have specific questions about like small aspects of a book tour or if it's like larger, bigger questions like, hey, when's my book going to come out? <laughs> um, you know, your your publisher is, is there to support you. So we're here to answer those questions. But yeah, knowing when your book's going to come out is definitely the first step. <laughs> And then trying to plan around that, knowing that it's going to be a major event in your life is good both for your business as a cartoonist and for your emotional self to start preparing for that. We've talked to some cartoonists about this on the uh, on the podcast before, but I feel like it really bears repeating because uh, it sounds like another thing also is to talk to your publicist also to get a sense of like, find out exactly what your publicist is doing and what kinds of things they're planning for you and like what stuff you're going to be having to organize and what stuff they're going to have to organize. Because I I feel like people often don't really know that, but they get embarrassed and they don't want to ask any questions and just assume people will tell them everything, Um, which isn't usually a great tactic for your first, not even your first book, for any book. For any book, yes. Um, Yeah, 
having conversations about what you want to do, what you want to see done, and what you plan on doing yourself and what you think they're planning on doing, um, that's always the first step. So I've run into situations where cartoonists will plan an entire cross-country book tour on their own without telling us and then say like, oh yeah, we've been you know planning a big book launch in New York, but they've decided that they're going to be in San Francisco that same weekend. It, explain, explaining what you're working on to your marketing team is always important. Because also it varies from book to book. Like Even if you've done a book with this publisher before, depending on the book and their plans for it and where it is in the catalog, like how things went last time and is necessarily how it's going to go this time anyway. Absolutely. And I would say that like, you know, first time authors and cartoonists often will ask a lot more questions and second and third time authors and cartoonists might think it's going to go the same way. So if you put a book out in 2015 and it was huge and massive and it was really great and your whole, you know, book tour went a certain way and you were really happy with it and all the press went a certain way and you're really happy with it. And then now four, maybe five years later, you're putting out your next book. It's going to feel different. So, and you, you should definitely not just start planning things on your own or assume that everything will be the same as it was before. Every project is not going to be the same, especially when you're working with, um, the new changing media, you know, five years ago, Tumblr was really important. Now it's not so much. And, (laughs) you know, cartoonists can focus on other things outside of that bookstores that used to be the best bookstores in the country, sadly, are no longer around. So always having like, very, very detailed and open dialogues with your marketing team is going to be great for everybody. (laughs) The last person we talked to, um, her editor did an email introduction to her publicist. And she was like, well, I don't really know what publicists do. So I won't email this person back. Oh, yeah. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) Well, she definitely had that problem of like, well, I've been doing this for a while. And I'm very professional. And so I'll just assume people will just tell me what I need to know. And I don't want to bother anybody. So if nobody's asking me for anything, I'll just hang out. It also thinks she had a problem with a lot of us have, which is like, if you work on a lot of different kinds of books, which a lot of working cartoonists, like you bounce around for a while. But like my experience of doing a middle grade nonfiction book that was part of a series in 2017 is very different than my experience now doing a black and white graphic novel for adults with a completely different publisher. Like, very, very different expectations. I'm not doing any school visits with this one. Oh, no. It's a book that says fuck in it. It's not that kind of book. <laughs> yeah. I work with people who primarily do comics for adults. Um, rarely, rarely do we do a book that is intended for younger readers. Aside from uh, the classic comics that we publish, Fanagraphics publishes, um, The Complete Peanuts and Donald Duck. Um, but again, that's more specialty collectory type things. So I can't even fathom the idea of explaining a school visit to somebody because we've never done that. <laughs> um, all of our books have genitals in them. We can't give those to children. <laughs> so this is so great because most of the, we talk to a lot of cartoonists who mostly work in the kids market. And so 90% of their book release is school visits and libraries and like going to ALA and talking to a, a big room full of people who want to know if they want to put your book in their book fair or something like that's, yeah, it's a very different thing. 
such a different world, such a different world. And, you know, libraries are important at every age and every level. Um, so, you know, I definitely think that ALA is a, a amazing place for people who do comics for adults to go to because there's so many adult services librarians who want to help readers get into that or as I say stay in comics a lot of people started with YA and are now in their like mid-20s and 30s and like they're matured and they want matured material so librarians can be like the first introduction to adult comics for a lot of these you know maturing YA readers yeah, I, I can't even um, imagine what that would be like if if my market was was so focused on schools. What what an interesting difference between young middle grade and um, and YA and adult comics. Adult comics is almost purely focused in you know indie bookstores are are really important for us um, as they are for everybody, and then uh, the media plays a huge role in in getting the word out about these books um, more so than specialty markets like schools. So that's another thing, like when you're working with authors, like, or how much are they involved in setting these kinds of things up? Are you basically as their publicist, like, I'm just going to get in touch with my contacts, and I will get back to you, let you know what you're doing. What are your authors doing during all of this? I primarily do everything for them in that sense. Like I'll set up their interviews with the media. And um, my, my colleague, Emily, who is our event manager at Fanographics, sets up book tours, and uh, convention appearances and appearances at conferences like like an ALA. And a lot of this is based on the desire of the artist. You know, if an artist doesn't want to do a book tour, doesn't want to go to a convention, they don't have to. <laughs> uh, but if they are going to be doing the convention circuit, then they should let us know because almost always we can plan that out for them. And I love when my cartoonists can do things like provide me a list of publications that they've contributed illustrations for. Um, a lot of the people that we work with especially have done um, extensive illustrations for, you know, The Atlantic or The New Yorker or um, The New York Times, The Washington Post. So like an artist thinking ahead about promoting their book, providing a list of places that they've worked with in the past is always super helpful. Yeah. So if you if you have an author and they're author, then they're like, okay, I've talk to my publisher, my book is coming out in fall 2020. I've got this publicity person and this events person who I'm talking to. And they're, you know, they're sitting down and thinking, my book is 12 months away. And Jack is amazing. And she's going to organize any media for me. And Emily is going to do events. What can they be doing themselves? Like, are there things that they should be taking responsibility for or doing that you can't do in the same way. Absolutely. Uh, So I think that one of the important things that a cartoonist or an author can do leading up to the publication of their book is to really start building their social media. These days, a person's public persona and like how they interact with their readers directly through social media has become more and more important over the last 10 years. So if you know you have a book coming out in 12 months and you haven't really put a lot on your Instagram page, you haven't really necessarily been updating stuff on Twitter, like this is the time to start thinking about posting more regularly, start thinking about what kind of art you're comfortable sharing or you're 
talk to your publisher first, what they are comfortable with you sharing on your Instagram page and start finding ways to have that direct communication with your readers and your community because other cartoonists are also going to be some of your most valuable resources when it comes to self-promotion, working and talking with your colleagues. So if you don't have any social media presence, none whatsoever, probably a little too late to start at this point, 12 months out, because it does take quite a long time to foster decent following on social media. But most people, I would say, have at least a Facebook page and possibly an Instagram and probably a Twitter. So this is the time to start putting more thought into how you can feel comfortable posting across all these social media channels. I saw that when Lucy Nicely did her last book for First Second, I think it was about pregnancy, she did a comic each week with a pregnancy fact leading up to the release of her book. I thought that was so genius. Yeah, God, Lucy's a machine. <laughs> she, she does so much stuff. <laughs> she's, she, she's so fast. And uh, I don't know how she can like raise a successful child and like have four book projects going at any one time and always dress impeccably well. Uh, but uh, she, I thought that was a really, really smart way for her to engage with her readers and get people interested. I know I personally was like super excited every time I saw one of her facts come up and I like would often like go back later and look at the, the, the fact that she had put up that week about pregnancy. And I thought it was just like a really, really smart thing for her to do to, to, to engage with her readers and get people excited for her book. And again, not everyone can do something quite so um, specialized, <laughs> but I, I would always tell cartoonists, like, this is a time where you should start thinking about what you want to put on social media or sit down and, and talk for an hour with, with me and I will help you figure out a plan to start putting things on social media. Lucy's a great example here because it's not just do something. It's like being thoughtful about what's your audience like? What kind of book are you making? What's your life look like? Like, are you a really fast cartoonist and you really enjoy drawing? And it's like fun for you to put off working on your book by doing little doodles? You should do that. Does it super stress you out and make you hate your life to have to generate content for Twitter? Well, maybe find something that doesn't make you hate yourself. Like, you know, it's. I, I feel like a lot of people see something like what Lucy's doing, like, oh, I have to do this exact thing or something as close to it as possible. And that was what will make my book be successful, like Lucy Nisley's book. And it's like, well, like, what kind of author are you? And what kind of artist are you? And what kind of book is it? Do you have a big following already that you're mobilizing? Or are you just starting out? Because I feel like for a lot of people, it's more like be funny and present and interesting is more important than like drawing a whole comic every week if you don't want to do that. Absolutely. And I think that there's also like ways that you can tie it in with your book. Like if you just spent seven years making this book, which a lot of people that we work with, and I'm sure that you guys both work with also have done, most likely we'll have some like content there. <laughs> like, do you have, do you have thumbnails that you feel comfortable showing or talk to your publisher? Like maybe you can do, you know, a panel a week on Instagram from your book, you know, for the next 10 weeks, work out some sort of system where you can be kind of giving out small bits of content that are already created. Not everyone can Lucy nicely it. <laughs> My friend Shinkor just they just had a book come out about a road trip that they took. And so they spent the like couple of weeks up to publication posting selfies that they had taken with their dog um, on the road trip being like, hey, these are pictures that I took on the road trip that this book is about. Look at how cute me and my dog are by my book. 
But I mean, you know, they'd already taken all those pictures. They just sort of went through the backlog and thought of funny things to say about it. There's so many times where you're creating content and you just don't even know it. Another thing that one of my cartoonists um, and I talked about and he recently did is he has four previous books that all lead up to the new book that just released. And he was posting on Instagram little short vignettes from the previous book that kind of reminded people what had been going on in the previous stories. I mean, this was not creating any new content. This was literally pulling a PDF cropping out panels and putting them on Instagram in a timed out way. And it was just a matter of like thinking about how we can remind people, oh yeah, that's what happened in 2014 when that first book came out. What's going to happen now in 2019 when this new book comes out? So social media, definitely a thing. You mentioned community also before, Jack. Is there stuff that people should be thinking about that's less online and more like person to person? So one of the other like, really unique things about comics that I haven't seen in most other industries are these regional comic art festivals. Um, Most cities have them and it's such an amazing way to find new cartoonists to connect with people that you have read their books or read their comics somewhere and like, um, and to get support from people that are doing something similar to you. It's such an empowering feeling to walk into a room of like-minded individuals who are dedicated to their craft, just as you're dedicated to your craft. So I'm here in Seattle and we have a comic festival called Short Run. And they're an amazing group of people who do all kinds of things within Seattle and the Pacific Northwest to engage with the local readers to engage with local bookstores, local media, and they bring all of that into the comic festival. So as an attendee of a comic festival or as an exhibitor, meaning you have a table at the festival itself and you sell your own books there, it's such a good way to find people who are going to want to support you who are just here, they're around. And there are these amazing organizers like short run Kelly Fro is the main organizer and they're already doing so much work to help build the community. So all you have to do is show up, be enthusiastic and present, and you can participate in this really unique events and activities that comics has to offer. I I mean, I believe in um, comics art festivals myself. I think that's awesome. I have volunteered for like 10 million of them. Yes. It's because they're super good. So If an author is at a point where they're like, okay, I know my book is 12 months out. I want to be doing things. My publisher is going to do things, but I would like to do things. And they've emailed with, for example, you, their publicist, their marketing person. And they're kind of like, what things should I do? But maybe they're like, I don't want to ask Jack because she's awesome and important. And I want to like know some stuff about what I want to do before I I talk to Jack so I can have reasonable opinions about it. So I'm not suggesting things that are totally off the wall. Are there (laughs) good places for authors to do research about what sort of things they could possibly be thinking about and talking about when they talk to their publisher and try to make plans for themselves? I've been thinking about, about this a lot over the last week. I don't know if there is a place that has like online that has like basic questions. And I've looked and I found that there are things that 
people can do that are specific to the prose world that might not necessarily translate into comics, especially in like what I do with um, independent publishing, which is just like a, I think a different beast than like what somebody who's doing a book with Simon and Schuster might have experience doing. So I don't know. I, I, if there is a resource and if there is a place where cartoonists can find resources about what they can be doing, they should post it in the comments of this podcast. <laughs> I think it's mostly talking to other cartoonists and listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, again, like I was saying earlier, that comics has is a really tight-knit community. And like, if you want to wait to talk to your publisher about things, you have questions about things, there are oftentimes so many cartoonists who are like super excited to talk to other cartoonists about what they're doing. And that doesn't necessarily mean emailing like Art Spiegelman and asking him what he sh- what you should do because that might not necessarily be your best, you know, place to start, but like there's hundreds of comics, thousands of comics coming out every year. There's probably somebody who 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 was where you are now a year ago, somebody who just had their first book out or somebody who had just had their second book out. And chances are, if you reach out to them via social media or on their website, they would love to say, oh, let me share my experience with you. This is what I did. Sometimes they won't be. Not everyone has the time to, to you know, have long conversations with people. But comics is a beautiful medium in that there are so many excited, enthusiastic people of all ages who are making comics that really, really want to talk about their experience. So if you have a book coming out in fall 2020, talk to somebody who had a book that came out, their first book come out in fall 2018. See what their first year was like. See what their second year was like. Um, You know, take them out for coffee or see if they'll Skype with you and have a conversation about what they felt and what they did and what they didn't do. And learn from your peers. Learning from your peers is like, I mean, that's what you do in school. You do peer evaluations. Like, you're out of school now. Do a peer evaluation with somebody who is doing something similar to you. I also, I can't overstate to people who are listening to this who are newer to comics how important it is to not only make friends, but make good friends. Like, because there's the conversation you have with somebody who you like, who seems chill at like Mice or SPX or something. And there's this conversation you have when you're both like in the shit. And you're like, I'm losing my entire mind with anxiety. And we are good enough friends that I can tell you about the very stupid thing that has kept me from sleeping for the last month. And they'll be like, also me. Because it's a very, a lot of the stuff is very personal and impersonal at the same time, which is this extra embarrassing combination of like, it's the most important thing to you in the world, but also part of the anxiety is feeling like nobody else cares about it. Like it's like, sure, it's very difficult and it's hard to talk to people about. And I feel like it's hard for people who, you know, your mom or like your best friend who isn't in comics, like they may not have had an experience that really maps on to this. So making good friends in comics who you can have those difficult conversations with, in addition to your publicist, uh, who, of course, I'm sure will also happily get on the phone and tell you that everything will be fine. uh, I I have found very valuable. Absolutely. Well, like your, your mom and like your, you know, your partners and your best friends, like their job is to support you. And, um, you know, like that's what you need from them. But sometimes a, a best work friend, um, uh, uh, somebody who, you know, a fellow, a best fellow cartoonist friend 
will sit there and tell you the hard truth. And whether that hard truth be like, you're wasting your time doing these, you know, paper fold out cutouts for every, you know, book that you're going to sign, or they're going to say like, you're a genius for doing these paper fold out cutouts for every book you're going to sign. <laughs> um, having somebody who's willing to be brutally honest with you is always a, that's, that's few and far between, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I've been having a lot of conversations with people over the last few months along these lines. I feel like all of us are just a mess all the time, but it's very reassuring Especially when you also see their public facing whatever they're doing, where they're like super on top of their shit and amazing and so great. And then you have your personal conversation like, oh, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> like You're like, oh, we all don't know what we're doing. It's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, working with some of the biggest cartoonists in our medium and working with some of like the new emerging co- cartoonists in our medium, um, I can say that I've seen ev- everyone's always nervous all the time about it. And my spouse who will probably hate me for saying this in on a public forum is a cartoonist and you know public facing persona and what you say it to your you know your homies is just really different um and it should be you know if you're falling apart inside you shouldn't feel like you have to express that to the world or do you know being vulnerable is not is not necessarily a bad thing but uh yeah being mindful of uh of your public persona is different um community and colleagues and and other cartoonists are are people that you should try and have relationships with um you know whether those are like you know more casual friendships that you can dive into when you really need some support or if it's somebody that you know you end up making these lifelong friendships with reaching out to people who've done what you've done is only going to help you get insight into what you might do in the next year and what you can do for the next person who might call on you for help or advice two years from now. So you talked before a little about uh, authors who sometimes set up their whole cross-country tour for themselves. So like, obviously, the first thing people should do who are thinking about that is check in with their publisher about it. Uh, But say they've checked in with their publisher and their publisher's like... So you you say you want to be visiting ten cities in eleven days. Uh, that sounds expensive, and like we actually have a plan for this book that's different than that. That we think is going to be a good use of your time and your energy. And you as an author are like, actually, I want to visit 10 cities in 11 days, and I'll just make time for this other stuff that you're talking about, too. I think I think my plan to visit 10 cities is good. Um, you know, and you as a publisher are like, uh, please don't. <laughs> like, so, so what, what should an author do in that case? Should an author abandon their plan? Should an author be like, I feel like I can get some use out of this plan, whether it's about events, whether it's about media, whether it's about social media, like how, how should they do that? Especially when the question is about like resources and finances rather than like, is this objectively a good idea? Being punk rock about it and deciding you're going to do what you want to do, like (laughs) working at Fanagraphics, I always tell you to say fuck off to anybody who tells you that you should do something different than you want, even if that person is me, (laughs) no matter no matter how unhappy it might make me. But also having realistic expectation when it comes to support in terms of uh, financial support. People don't realize just how expensive it can be to go on tour. 
And if it's something that your publisher can help you with um, financially in terms of your train tickets or your flights or your hotels or your Airbnbs or your per diem for food, like, the, you know, those are all things that you have to work out well ahead of time with your publisher, what they are and aren't able to provide. But if you decide you want to do it anyway, be incredibly mindful that you're not just spending money on your flight and your hotel and your food. You're also spending hours away from your desk where you could be working, where you could be doing potential interviews for your book. And that costs money. Your time is also money. So, you know, if you want to do 10 cities in 11 days and you decide you want to do this whole thing and you understand that you're going to have to pay for it because your publisher can't necessarily support a plan like that, then just understand that you're not just paying for it with your credit card. You're paying for it with your hands and your time and your voice. And, and your sanity. Your sanity. It's emotionally exhausting to be in front of an audience and, um, and you know, talking about your book, even more emotionally exhausting to be at a small city on a Monday night that didn't have enough promotion to support your book. And you're sitting there for three hours in front of nobody you know, be emotionally prepared for that, but also understand how exhausting it can be. <laughs> Our star book of the summer was Bottom Feeders by Ezra Clayton Daniels and Ben Passmore. And Ezra and Ben wanted to do a cross-country tour and they started booking it all on their own. And it was more successful than I think anyone could have realized because those two guys are powerhouses within themselves. But it was really scary at the onset of their big cross-country tour that they booked themselves and planned themselves into this whole thing on their own because it's like, what can you expect from this? Um, not everyone's going to be as lucky as these guys where they were able to pull big crowds at every event. <laughs> Again, I think that that was, you know, these are not first-time authors. They both had previous books. They both had New York Times book reviews. <laughs> so they had like a pretty good following already. But uh, yeah, don't let anyone tell you what to do. Just be prepared emotionally and financially if you're going to, with the ramifications of your actions. I mean, it's also worth thinking about because, I mean, most of this stuff, particularly if you're basing uh, your plans around things like conventions, especially tabling at conventions, you're having to make these plans like way out. I, I, I did a lot of cons this year because I had two books coming out kind of very close together. I had a book come out in February. My next one comes out like literally a week from now. So I'm dying. Um, yeah. So I think I went to like 12 or 13 cons this year. And the thing I kept telling everybody was that I was living in a present of past me's making. <laughs> she <laughs> yes. did the best that she could. And she made the decisions that made sense at the time. And now I'm living the consequences of all the things she thought was a good idea six months to a year ago. <sighs> yeah, you plan and be like, oh, I can do I can do Chicago this weekend and then be in Washington, D.C. the next weekend and then do Brooklyn the weekend after that. Sure, that's not a problem at all. And then you think, but what about the five days in between? And am I going to be standing on my feet for 13 hours a day? And like once you get to it, it feels a lot less fun. <laughs> and wait, did I make sure that my pet sitter is going to take care of my dog? Is, is everything OK? <laughs> that's another expense that authors should really think about when they uh, when they travel. Do I have child care? Do I have pet care? <laughs> Is someone going to water my plants? Um, so eventually it's, you know, a couple months to a couple of weeks before your book comes out. If you're a cartoonist and you're losing your mind, in your experience, what are some useful things that you've seen cartoonists do in that weird twilight of the last 
one to eight weeks before their book comes out when most stuff is kind of already planned and you just have yeah. to sit around waiting to see if anybody's going to care about your book or not. What, what can they do with that energy other than freaking out? Well, this is a time that usually a lot of press and publicity can happen. So if you're doing media interviews and you're doing, uh, you know, stuff that your publicist has set up, then like try to focus as much of your energy into the upcoming media that you're going to have to be doing or plan and prepare the questions that like we talked about, you know, that you've been planning for 12 months, like hone in your answers. But also this is a time where you can, you know, maybe be a little bit more proactive in terms of like reaching out to your friends who have a podcast for the beat um, <laughs> um, or being more engaging on, on your Twitter page or, uh, you know, going to local bookstores and saying like, Hey, you know, I have a book coming out. Uh, here's some information. Um, we usually provide flyers or postcards with information about people's books um, to them that they can, you know, give out um, to family members and friends and bookstores. But if your publisher doesn't provide something like that, like go ahead and make yourself a cheap, easy flyer, like, you know, with a cover of your book and some information and go to a coffee shop and put a little thing at this coffee shop that you always go to that maybe you drew at part of the time that you are working. Um, go to your bookstores, your indie and local bookstores are also going to be your, your, your greatest friends because they're the people that are engaging directly with new readers. Um, your library also, I mean, comics and libraries more so in the last year than ever, um, are, are getting bigger and bigger because ALA just started a graphic novel roundtable, which is so exciting, but libraries, um, in your area, like, go to your local library and talk to your librarian and see if there's like a way that you can work with them or they'll do some, some something with you or just ask them if they'll carry your book. I mean, you're there. These are your, this is your community. These are your people. Um, use your, your energy for good. And if all those fails, just draw a lot of comics about your cat. Always draw. One very important thing I will tell every cartoonist ahead of time who's going to do a signing, practice your signature and practice a short sketch if you have an evening where you're feeling particularly antsy and you want to do something proactive, draw your character in a bunch of different ways that will be easy for your hand. Because if you're going to be signing a book for four hours at a really successful signing, or you're going to be at a convention where you're going to have to sit at a table all day, make sure that your hand is going to be able to draw your same character over and over again. Make sure your signature looks nice. So when you put it in somebody's book in permanent ink, you're going to be really proud that they have that there. God, it makes me so anxious drawing in people's books. Have you ever done events in Europe? I've been to TCAS signings with European cartoonists and they are hardcore, like a whole ink drawing. Yes. Every single one of them, they come with watercolors <laughs> and they will sit there and like it's in Europe, you're expected to not just do a sketch, you're supposed to like draw or paint something in people's books. The U.S. doesn't have those expectations, but if you can do a sketch, it can make somebody's like year if they can get a book that has a little piece of you in it. So I always try to recommend to the people do little sketches if they can. Um, but practice <laughs> because you don't want uh, Dash Shaw, who's an amazing, amazing cartoonist who's been doing comics for so many years now. The first time he went to Europe, he has this story that he was trying to draw a different character in every single person's book. And throughout the weekend, he was emotionally and physically exhausted. So it's a lesson you learn. Practice an easy sketch, get it down and get ready to do it over and over and over again. Jack, when people are thinking about all this stuff, how much should they be like 
surely my publicist, marketing person, events person is going to email me if anything needs to happen. How much should they be relying on that? And how much should they be kind of actively planning through all of the things that they want to happen and that are going on? Definitely. I think that it's good to check in with your publicist and your marketing people, uh, you know, every every few weeks, um, just to make sure that there's no broken lines of communication. You know, remember that this is your one book, but usually they're working on more than one book at a time. So it's, it's good to just always keep an open line of communication, make sure that everything's going smoothly, um, make yourself present with them. But planning, I mean, you should always be, you know, keep a Google calendar that has important dates coming up, the release date of your book, an event that you're doing, maybe an interview that you have planned um, with your publicist, maybe, you know, a casual conversation with a friend, like keep a Google calendar that you can reference back. So if you wake up in the morning and you're frazzled and you're not sure what to do, you have like a little plan for each day. I mean, it's just a good way to keep yourself grounded when you're feeling the butterflies and adrenaline of a new book is going to come out. Planning in, in like a concrete way that has like words written down on a page or typed into a document is always a good way to funnel your energy into something productive. And is stuff also going to happen that people can't plan like that for? Like, is there is there going to be surprise stuff that comes up? Always. I mean, you never know when you're going to get that urgent, I need you to send me a new author photo right now, or I need you to do an interview this moment. Like, I mean, life is just sticky. You're never going to be able to, to plan everything out perfectly. And if this is your first book, especially like, don't be surprised if you're surprised. (laughs) And so does all of this change based on, you know, as you said, like first book versus fifth book, or, you know, this is a book about dinosaurs versus this is a book about the Holocaust. Are there things that are going to make this drastically different? Or is it kind of one size fits all? Everything's going to be different. A heavy nonfiction work versus like a humor comic is going to have like a different kind of level of emotional engagement, I guess. Um, Maybe is one way to say it. But at the same time, like no matter what, any book that you worked on for any significant amount of time is going to feel exciting. And like, whether your book is about like dinosaurs or your book is about the Holocaust or your book is funny or your book is really sad or very light or very deeply personal, like everything that you do in terms of promotion is in service of all the hours you spent working on it. So maybe I contradicted myself there. Maybe it is somewhat one size fits all in the sense that treat every single book like it's serious because even if it's a light humor book, it's a serious time commitment that you made to creating a piece of art. And now it's your opportunity to share that art with the world. How do you want to do that? Yeah, that's, I guess, uh, maybe a contradictory long answer to your kind of more straightforward question. (laughs) But I think it's a really good answer, though. I think it's a good answer to be like, Right. You know, whether your book is for kids or adults, whether it's serious or funny, there's always a time commitment and there's always kind of this standard set of like marketing publicity things that are going to you're going to be involved in, you know, and of course, maybe there's different things for your, you know, serious versus funny book where your serious book is maybe more likely to win an award than your funny humor comic. Uh, But it kind of is in that that same framework. 
Yeah. Respect your work. You know, working at the publisher that I do, like there are a lot of books that like seem like they might be like, you know, frivolous, funny humor comics on the outside, but have like deeply personal like messages. But no matter what, anything that you make, you made that that's time. And that's also labor. Like your hands and your wrists aren't going to last forever. So every line you draw like means something. So it might feel like it's more important to, you know, put a lot of time and promotion into like your giant long form memoir graphic novel, but anything you do and everything you draw is work. And that means that you have to take it as seriously as you want somebody else to take it. And if you want somebody to pay money for it, buy it, <laughs> then you're going to have to make sure that you have a certain amount of commitment to it. So we've been talking a lot about all sorts of things that it would be really good for people to do and think about when their publication date is coming up in a year or in a week, kind of like in that time frame. Are there things that people should think about not doing? Yes. Um, don't disappear. Don't just start moving forward on the next project right away without giving yourself time to promote the project that you have coming up. So, I mean, I know it's easier for me to say as somebody who isn't a bookmaker, I don't draw and I don't write, but your first job is to make the book, but your second job, it's part of the publishing process is to sell it. So if you completely disappear and, you know, hide away in Europe in a backpacking trip or bury yourself in your next project and hide away in your studio. Like you're not doing service to everything that just went into the book you made being present, whether that means being available to do interviews, being available to do events, um, in, you know, whether it be a comic festival or a library reading or a bookstore signing, being available on um, social media and, you know, either creating a social media page and tending to it or just, you know, posting occasionally, like make sure that you have some kind of presence in the world. Don't do your book a disservice by ignoring it after you finish it. I think it's really easy for people to do that. Even having gone through this multiple times and super knowing better, you finished that book a year ago. It's old news to you. You're sick of it. And you're like, Jesus, who still fucking cares about this piece of garbage? Literally the entire world that has not read your book yet because it has not come out. <laughs> and I think it's even worse for books that are on international printing schedules. So you literally turned it in like probably a whole calendar year ago, if not longer. Uh, so for you, it's like an eternity, especially people in their early 20s, like a thousand years ago. Uh, and it's like, okay, well... I know that you've read it a million times and you're sick of it and you can see everything that's wrong with it, but it's brand new to everybody else and they're all very excited. So acting like really embarrassed that everybody's still having to pay attention to your dumb book that's old news now is just in your head and not true for literally anybody else. Yes. Creative people, especially like you feel the drive and the need to continue working and moving forward and creating and you don't want it to be too long between projects and you want to start working right away but carve out time to support your publisher in selling your book to get out there and engage with your readers because again you spent the time making the thing get out there and sell it now you need to make money off of it like making money as a cartoonist is difficult and if you want this to be your livelihood which i'm sure so many people do especially if you're a published author and you've you've gotten to the point where you are getting somebody else to pay for the printing and you're not self-publishing mini comics anymore. <laughs> you need to make money off your work. Your work has value. Your art has value. Your hands and your labor have value. Make sure that you are doing everything you can to utilize that 
gain that and earn that money back. As we're wrapping up here, I kind of want to come back to something you said earlier, like, even for minor works, even for some silly thing that you did as like a one off, like, it's your hands and your labor and your time that you you made this book with and you cared enough about it to spend probably a lot of time making it. And uh, one thing that I really try to make people do and people do not want to do this for all kinds of reasons. Is it like when you get your physical copy of your book, like sit down and read it? Yeah, probably haven't looked at it for a few months. So like sit down and actually read your book. And just try to turn off the part of your brain that's going to notice the three typos or whatever that you missed before, or just immediately email your editor about it and just get it out of your system or whatever. But like, I, it's weird how I think that we get so anxious about this, we sort of avoid actually looking at the object that we've spent all this time on. But I find it very helpful to reconnect with it and remember, like, it's a book that you made. Like, Getting excited about it again as part of the process of releasing it is reminding yourself about why you did this in the first place. <laughs> like reconnect with a version of you from a year ago who turned this thing in. Yeah. Th- I mean, you know, publishers, you know, like I, for better or worse, like are, you know, the tastemakers. And if they say like, I, I want to put my company name on your book, that means that you have a whole team of people who think that you're really, really good. <laughs> um so you know let yourself be good (laughs) i'm looking you in the eye person listening to this podcast be nice to your book you worked very hard on it be nice to your book be nice to yourself be nice to your publisher yes and yeah reply to your poor publicist emails (laughs) yeah don't forget that like our whole world's like revolve around your book too I know that you're sitting there stewing, thinking that no one cares about your book, but it's like, no, I'm losing sleep over whether or not the Washington Post is going to do a review. Don't worry. I'm also freaking out about it. Like, <laughs> as much as you feel like you're freaking out, know that this 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 is my whole life is promoting comic books. Um, you know, it's I've been working at Fanographics for 10 years. I'm married to a cartoonist. Like, everything in my life is centered around giving comics to the world. So... I'm fretting over it. I also wake up in cold sweats. (laughs) We're suffering in the trenches with you. I'm sorry, but also thank you for your service. (laughs) Uh, Well, guys, this has been so much fun. Jack, where can people find you online? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't really do social media that much, but I will go on Twitter once a week. So uh, it's just at Jack underscore Cohen. Perhaps they would like to find your fine employer on the internet. Fantagraphics.com. Uh, F is in Frank, A-N-T-A-G-R-A-P-H-I-C-S.com. It's easy to Google Fanographics because I promise you nothing else will have that name. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us about all this. This was great. Thanks, guys. Graphic Novel TK is co-produced by Gina Gagliano and Allison Wilgus and is brought to you by The Beat. You can find our show notes along with other comics news and podcasts at comicsbeat.com. Our podcast graphics were created by Shivana Sokdeo. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. You can follow us on Twitter at Graphic Novel TK or email us at graphicnoveltk at gmail.com.
at TCAF a couple years ago, Lorenzo Matotti was a guest. And if you're not familiar with Lorenzo Matotti, he's a, a, a master Italian artist, um, one of the greatest. Um, and he brought his pastels and he sat in every single person's book and pastel drew like what I would consider a masterpiece. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're creating these beautiful, like, pieces of art for every single one of your readers. It was just really beautiful. And also I wanted to just give him a big old glass of beer afterward. Like you are this. Also, did he have spray fixative? I'm just like logistically. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. The spray fixative makes that fantastic. And then he let it sit for a few minutes before he closed it. Jesus Christ. All right. That, yep. That's fine. Step up your game, Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit this part out. It's fine. Bye. It will definitely be fine. It'll be great. It will definitely be fine. It'll totally be fine. I'm telling myself this now. Allison, it's going to be fine.